Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. There are only three weeks until the municipal election on October 24th. Once more, here are interviews with mayoral candidates running for office across Northumberland County. I will not be interviewing deputy mayor or council candidates. There are just too many of them. However, you can go to the radio station's website or to the website for this show to find candidate information. The first interview this week is with Brian Orstrander, who is running for mayor of Brighton. Here is Brian Orstrander. I'm so pleased to have with me today Brian Ostrander, candidate for mayor of Brighton. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thanks, Robert. Really appreciate uh, being able to join you. And not just a candidate, but I am the mayor of Brighton. <laughs> there are some people who may not know you. So let's just begin by introducing yourself as a candidate for mayor. Uh, I'm, I'm Brian Ostrander. I was uh, raised here in Brighton. I'm a graduate of both Brighton Public School and East Northumberland Secondary School. Uh, I have a, a Bachelor of Arts degree out of York University. I have been in the uh, book uh, and magazine printing business since 1992, uh, where I continue to, to work um, because, you know, the, the mayor's job just doesn't pay enough to, to pay the mortgage. So, uh, and, and, and there are expectations at home that I'm going to help out. So uh, <laughs> we continue doing that as well. Uh, I am a former uh, director of the Northumberland United Way and uh, have volunteered my time widely uh, both here in Brighton and throughout Northumberland County. What role do you see the municipality playing? You've been losing physicians, but you've also been recruiting. And I just wanted to know, what are you doing and what is council doing to address this very important problem so I think there's a, a few few approaches I can take in answering that question. First, um, I'm, I'm going to use my normal line here, which is, you know, Brighton doesn't have a hospital uh, inside its municipality, but we are fortunate enough to have three hospitals in Northumberland Hills Hospital, Campbellford Memorial Hospital, and of course, to the east of us at Trent Memorial Hospital. So we work very closely with um, all of the leadership teams. I meet fairly regularly with, with all of the leadership teams to find out what we can do, what we can do better uh, to assist them in, in their recruitment needs, because it's not just about recruiting doctors for Brighton, primary care physicians for Brighton. That's important, and I'll get to that. But it's about ensuring that the um, healthcare professionals are on site and on staff at those three hospitals for when we need to use those hospitals. Uh, we want to make sure they're properly staffed. So uh, we need to know uh, that those, those funds are in place. So from a, a financial perspective, Robert, what Brighton does, um, what ha we have done historically is included in our budget 
uh, monies for the, the foundations, the three foundations, so that they can buy equipment or whatever they need to be purchasing um, to ensure that their hospitals are moving forward in the way that they, they strategically believe is best. Uh, recently, this year, um, for Campbellford and Northumberland Hills, uh, that responsibility was taken up by the county. So it, it did alleviate some pressure from our local budget to only have to um, uh, only have to help fund the Trent Memorial Hospital Foundation. But you know we recognize that when just when we shift money from from Brighton to the county, it still comes from the same taxpayer. So you know we didn't we didn't double down on that uh, locally as well. I'm just going to shift the conversation, if you don't mind, to local physician recruitment. Uh, we do have a physician recruitment um, body here in Brighton, Docs by the Bay, which is the Trent Memorial Hospital Foundation's physician recruitment team. And uh, they are working very, very hard to ensure that Brighton uh, has a constant steady flow of new doctors coming into the community. Uh, they've recruited three doctors this term. Uh, we believe there's another one on the hook. Um, no announcement yet, but we're, we're pretty sure the one will be made fairly soon. And uh, of course, like many small communities, we offer an incentive when a doctor agrees to come and stay for uh, five or more years. So um, that's uh, that's about $100,000 that we, we offer as an incentive to ensure that we're, you know, we're, we're landing, we're landing the, uh, the recruits that uh, that Docs by the Bay brings to us. I'd like to just go back for a second and talk. I, I um, and I think this is where I was sort of going with this is that you are in this really interesting position where you have the three hospitals that could potentially serve residents in in your town. How does that present though uh, an additional burden or additional pressure? When it's not like, okay, there's just one hospital, so we can support that and we can put so much money and it does this much good. How do, how do you justify uh, to taxpayers that you're, you know, you're doing it for multiple hospitals and, and uh, t- t- how do you justify all of that? Sure. You know, it's, it's not even about having to justify it, Robert. I think we have, I think our community has an expectation that we will uh, assist in this level. We all know that healthcare is a provincial responsibility, um, and and I wish that that could end the sentence. I really do. But but we know that as the the government closest to the people, healthcare is a huge priority for the people of Brighton. And so we have taken on a responsibility, a financial burden, if you will, a financial responsibility, to ensure that there there the hospitals are funded in in a way that that is appropriate for their strategic alignment in our community. And I think Brighton, the people of Brighton expect that. I I think that when they show up to the hospital, regardless of which of the three they're going to, uh, whether it's for an emergency or whether it's for a day surgery or some sort of treatment, they expect that um, the the equipment will be there that um, will help serve their their medical needs. And so as, as the mayor of this community, uh, I take that expectation very seriously and I take it to, to our budget meetings, both at the county and at the local level, and make sure that that those uh, those funds are in place. Now, in terms of doctor recruitment, that was the other part that you talked about. It's very interesting because I noticed recently uh, there was an announcement about a, a new doctor coming to the area. But again, it's it, that individual is shared. It, they're doing some work in Brighton and they're doing some work in the Bay of Quinte. I also know that you've just recently uh, did a survey of people who are on waiting lists trying to get physicians. How do you feel that this is a good strategy 
for your recruitment efforts when you have to share the doctor between jurisdictions and then also have to be dealing with the waiting lists. How is your approach a good approach? I think in, in sharing this doctor, what we've been able to do is um, make sure that two clinics are, are being staffed on a, fairly, on a, on a rotating basis. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a different model than, than what we've become used to through uh, the local family health team, the, the model of care that, that this clinic has approached. So when, when uh, Dr. Evans came to the community and, and um, you know, is, is going to attach himself here to a clinic in Brighton and has, has attached himself to a clinic in Trenton, um, with the agreement that he's going to roster so many patients in each of those communities, um, roughly the same amount of one doctor would in, in our community. So, you know, he's, he's, he's rostering several more, uh, quite a few more than normal if you, if you combine those two. Um, and his, that model of care that he's introduced is to bring more doctors down or help bring more doctors down with the, with the assistance of Docs by the Bay and, and our own uh, efforts here in, in Brighton. Uh, so that there is a rotating model of physicians through those two clinics. And I think the intention is not to stop at two, but to continue till there's three or four uh, doctors so that they can, um, you know, treat, treat folks on a Saturday. Building on that, then I, I wanted to ask about the potential for a walk-in clinic. It's, it's certainly something we would consider if there was a doctor, we had, if we had a physician that was ready and willing and able to, to move forward. Uh, there was, I think there still is, a telemedicine clinic, uh, walk-in clinic here in, in Brighton. Um, not sure if it requires an appointment or not. I, the, the model the model shifted through COVID, so I'm, I'm not 100% sure what the model looks like now, but um, there certainly was telemedicine available at at least two of the pharmacies in the community um, pre, pre-pandemic, and I suspect they're still there. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's that's just you know, the modern way of doing uh, walk-in clinics is uh, via telemedicine. So, um, you know, I, but absolutely, if there was a doctor in the community ready to open up uh, some sort of walk-in clinic, I think we would, we would certainly be willing to, uh, to assist them in some way. In the past 15 months, your fire chief, planning manager, manager of capital infrastructure, deputy clerk, um, left your, uh, in fact, you lost your head of public works uh, recently and and you were giving them generous praise for what a fantastic job they did. Um, he stayed for three years. Uh, there's recent job postings on your website around managers, planners, all those good things. Why were you so opposed to an internal organizational review? Yeah, fair, fair question. Um, my opposition to that was because, you know, I think I think the reason for people vacating the municipality is uh, fairly cut and dry. Um, on, on one level, we have uh, people have options. Um, we live in an, we, we're a very small community, as you know, 12,000, just over 12,000 people. Um, lots of opportunity to the east and to the north and to the west. So surrounding us are, are larger communities that can recruit at higher dollar values. Uh, other other people. But the reality is, Robert, some of these people have left our our employment our employment opportunities here in Brighton for less money, um, and and that has happened um, because they have felt that they had they can find better quality of life elsewhere. Um, the reality is, I I oppose that um, audit. I guess it's being called HR audit because I thought the answers were cut and dry. I think that, in my opinion, 
if if a member of council or a couple of members of council uh, were to um, behave more appropriately, stop interfering with staff, um, we would see a better staff council, a better staff uh, resident relations, and and we'd have better ability to uh, retain staff and recruit staff, quite frankly. With that in mind, then, what steps did you take over your term in office as mayor to uh, remediate that then? I've, I've had... I've had frank conversations with uh, the member that that I believed was um, do, doing these things. Uh, those frank conversations didn't uh, uh, didn't bear the fruit I had hoped that they would. And um, my suspicion is that um, we will we will see that uh, that information coming out in this audit. Speaking of that, then when do you expect any reports coming back to council? Because I know it was only recently that uh, the RFP went out and was accepted. So when do you expect the report to come back? It's my understanding that report is uh, substantially completed, um, that there is a portion of the uh, workflow that requires a senior staff to get together with the uh, with the consultant. Once that's completed, uh, a report will go out to council and we'll be able to uh, flesh that out into the public. Will that take place before the election? I, I would anticipate that it will. All right. How are you going to make life better in Brighton compared to the last four years? Well, you know, life's, life's been pretty good in Brighton, uh, even through a, a global pandemic. So, you know, is it, is it about making life better or is it about how do we keep life really great here? And, and uh, you know, I think maybe that's, uh, that's more what I'd like to, like to focus on is, is how are we going to keep things, uh, how are we going to keep the, the progress uh, moving forward here in Brighton and how we're going to keep things stable at the council table? Because that's what we've seen uh, for these past four years. What, what I wanted to do when I came to the mayor's office was to, was to calm the waters at the council table uh, because we'd seen some pretty raucous behavior over the course of um, the last few years, last couple of terms. And I wanted to ensure that we had those plans in place that could uh, carry the municipality forward, put it on a, on a good path. So what, in the next four years, what I wanna ensure is that we continue that calm, that we continue uh, to see around the council table the, those compromises that keep us moving forward and my intention will be to continue to build the consensus that I've been able to build uh, through the last four years around the council table. And of course, we need to then take those plans we've put in place and, and do more of the work. We did a lot of the work on those plans, but do more of the work that those plans set out. Uh, what I don't want is a return to chaos. And what I don't want is for all of the hard work we've done, putting those plans in place to be shelved, uh, only to start again. Is that a real threat? I think it might be. I think that there is. I, I certainly have uh, serious concerns that that might might be the road we go down. Uh, in what way? Could you describe in what way? I, I just I feel that um, you know with with the plans we put in place that uh, there are people running uh, for election in our municipality that that would um, pull the, pull the right out from underneath all of the things that have been set forward and would want to start again in, in ways that um, would not benefit the, the community overall. Can you give a concrete example of one? Um, 
Well, you know, it's, it's, it's tough when you're dealing with some of the things I'm hearing out in the community, but one of the, I guess one of the important examples would be um, we've worked really closely with the development community in, our, in, in Brighton to um, get the, the product of housing uh, that's more attainable, more affordable on the market. And uh, we've seen a lot of um, a lot of action from certain members of council that would suggest that uh, they, they want to move that backwards, that all they want to see is uh, single family dwellings and those expensive homes that, uh, you know, some people can afford, certainly if they're selling their houses out of the GTA. But uh, what we want is a product of housing here in Brighton that that Brightonians can afford, that that, that new, new home buyers can afford right here in Brighton and that uh, seniors can can downsize it too. There is a lot of pressure in development in Brighton. Um, there's various subdivisions and other developments. But then again, there's the treatment of wastewater that continues to be an ongoing issue. And as of June 2022, the town initiated an addendum to the 2018 class environmental assessment. There is a proposal for an upgrade. Um, yet this seems like it's another uh, study that's addressing this key issue. Now, some residents may feel that there is a lot of money being spent and not enough action. What would you say to those people so what I will say is is the actions we've taken so far, the, the next study, as, as you've called it, is an addendum to our environmental assessment. So what we had uh, coming out of the last term of council was an environmental assessment that permitted us to move forward with uh, that bioreactor system, which many of us thought was uh, much too experimental for, for our environment here in Brighton. Um, in can the Canadian environment, I mean, the harsh weather we get in the winter. And we just, we just weren't, we just didn't see the evidence that it was uh, a good use in Canada. So we, we went down the road of creating a new system um, that we require an addendum to the EA in order to move forward with. So it's, it's really not another study. It's making sure that the engineers say, oh yes, this system will work and um, it's okay, uh, so that the MECP can can check it off, check off the the okay list, and and allow us to move forward. We fully anticipate that in 2023 we will be constructing the upgrades to that system that will both fix the ammonia problem and add capacity to the plant that will take us out 25 or or more years. Are you prepared? If you're elected mayor going forward to guarantee that by the end of this next term of council, that this issue is going to be dealt with and put behind you? If, if this issue isn't solved uh, within the next few years, um, we, we will all have to wear egg on our face. Absolutely, Robert. This this must be solved uh, long before the end of the next term of council. You started talking about affordable housing. I'd like to go back to that if we can. Um what is Brighton doing or what have you done over the last four years to ensure that affordable housing is present in, in Brighton? Yeah, really, really good questions. I mean, housing affordability is top of everyone's mind. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to have a roof over my head. Um, but, uh, you know, I have two daughters in their 20s and I, I worry. I worry for that whole generation. And, uh, you know, I have a mom, a mom who's uh, not, not a young person anymore. I hope she doesn't hear me say that, but, <laughs> um, you know, I worry for what her next step might be. She, she still lives in the house that I grew up in, but uh, at some point that, that might not be able to continue. 
Um, so we put planning policies in place here in Brighton that uh, are directing developers or uh, nudging developers, uh, encouraging developers to ensure that there is a mix of product in the development. And developers are responding well to that. I, I think they understand that uh, if they want to be able to sell a house, they better be able to sell one that's affordable in the marketplace. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a, a new development uh, that was just passed that is, um, that is purpose-built rentals. It's, uh, it's townhome rentals, but it's purpose-built rentals for probably the seniors market. But, but, but there it is. It, it is, is rental living. We've got uh, another development that will require the, the houses, the singles and the semis will require, be required to have secondary units in each one so that there are rental suites available in that subdivision. And the most recent subdivision we passed uh, has, by and large, uh, smaller footprint homes. So semis, townhomes, and stacked apartment-style suites so that we are putting products on, on the marketplace here in Brighton that are more attainable and more affordable in the marketplace. But from a government-assisted uh, building point of view, we are here in Brighton, we're going through the land banking process so that we know what lands are, are municipally owned that might be ready for, um, for government-assisted housing, county social, county social housing, if you will. And, um, and, and lands that might be available for purchase municipally so that we can open those partnerships and discussions with the County of Northumberland about where and when uh, we can start building um, assisted living, assisted government assisted housing here in Brighton. What about homeless people? There was an opportunity to take steps to uh, address this crisis at the uh, county level, but we know that people are sleeping in tents and parks and other public spaces, um, and people are couch surfing, uh, all kinds of things that people face when they don't have permanent shelter. Now, we've just discussed what you're doing for the mid and the long term, but what plans do you have in place going forward to ensure that there is local opportunities for people to have shelter if they don't, if they need an emergency shelter? There's, there's a couple things I can talk about here. Um, one is the, the county homeless uh, strategy, which, which has been fairly widely uh, trumpeted as, you know, the, the next best step for Northumberland County. Uh, we, we certainly know there's homelessness in the county. We've been dealing with it for a while, but it's hidden. It was hidden for the longest time. As you, as you mentioned, couch surfing was the primary mode of, of, um, of how homeless people were able to keep a roof over their head. Um, and, and, you know, that, that worked on some level because that, you know, tells us that there are people in our community willing to reach out and, and do those things that are needed to help people out. And that's great. Uh, but we need a better strategy. We know that the pressures from the GTA, from a, from a homelessness, homelessness perspective, are, are pushing their way this way. And the, and the um, pressures out of that uh, are also uh, incredibly significant. So I'm, I'm entirely supportive of the county's homeless, homelessness strategy uh, as they move that forward. Uh, but we're also working with um, the Northumberland Hills Hospital, who has a homeless coordinator. Uh, we've set them up here uh, twice. I think they come out twice a month, two Thursdays a month. And they, they, they literally uh, go boots on the ground, walking through the community and, and having those conversations with people that 
they see uh, may have need. So, and, and offering them strategies, offering them a, a place, um, and offering them to get them there. Because of course, transit is a transit is a huge issue for for Northumberland County and and the Quinney region, quite frankly. Should there be an emergency shelter in Brighton? I don't think we see that need yet, Robert. Um, that's not to say, you know, I mean, the, of course, the problem with that is when you see a need, it's too late, right? It, it, it's something that you should have had in place already. Um, but I'm not seeing uh, that we're getting um, a lot of people sleeping on the street. Um, and I'll give you a, a, a very specific example. This summer, uh, we had a gentleman sleeping um, in one of our laneways. Uh, he was there for two or three weeks, um, but it would seem that he was transitionary. He was going from point A to point B, and Brayton was a stopover. Uh, and but he was, you know, I, I know the homelessness coordinator that I was speaking of. I know that they were talking to him and making sure he was fine, and and you know, trying to get, make sure that he had a roof over his head if he wanted it. Um, my understanding was that he didn't. So, um, you know, we just want to make sure he was safe and the community felt comfortable and was safe. And um, I don't believe he's in the community anymore. Uh, I do hope he's uh, safe and well wherever he's managed to be. In August at the County Council, there were delegations of politicians and advocates that came forward pushing to get uh, some immediate action to deal with people who are homeless at the time. And uh, there were appeals made and uh, decisions by council, but it was very clear that council uh, has a philosophy, county council does, that people have to want the help. And it's there if they want it, but they have to come for it. Some people might look at that and say, wait a minute, that's victim blaming. Do you, How do you feel about that? And, and how do you feel about the decisions and how you voted at that meeting? Sure. So I don't see that as, as victim blaming. I'm not I'm not blaming anyone for their homelessness when I say um, if someone wants the help, we have the help available to them, and and you know we'll we'll certainly provide the the um, the resources that they need for for whatever it is they need, be it food or shelter. Uh, but the re but the simple reality is um, you you can't force someone into a shelter. You can't force someone to eat uh people especially people with dealing with mental health issues you know they need to be um they need to be cared for in a way that is appropriate to them in in the moment so uh you know to say you know we we, we want to help people that want the help i think is is absolutely fair and um you know i as i said i support the county's homelessness strategy so that that is that is where my vote went Opioids continue to be a critical issue both in Brighton and across the country. Can you tell us what you plan to do to address this issue in your community? Well, just just like the county homelessness strategy, we're going to work with with the county and the local hospitals, um, the MHART unit with the OPP, uh, to ensure that uh, people are, are receiving the help they need. Um, sadly, with the opioid crisis, so many people. If, by the time we realize there's a problem, it's too late. It's much too late. And um, this is a, the, the opioid crisis, the opioid strategy needs to be um, like 
like the housing strategy, it needs to be done from coast to coast. And so we're going to need some very serious help from our, our friends at the federal and provincial government in order to find a strategy that works for, for Northumberland County, for Brighton, for Quinney Region, for Cornwall, for Windsor. You know, it's not it's not a Brighton problem, as you point out. It's, it's across the country. And so we need a national strategy. We certainly need a provincial strategy to help uh, a small municipality like mine out with, uh, with a serious crisis. Roads are vitally important. What are your plans to keep roads maintained over the next four years? You know, the one thing about uh, this term of council that I'm incredibly proud of for our council is we took infrastructure very seriously. Um, we are now uh, resurfacing more rural roads in our north end than uh, we ever have on a year-by-year -year basis. Uh, we know we need to resurface, uh, reconstruct and resurface about 27 kilometers of roadway, rural roadway in the rural area of our municipality. And we've hit that mark. Um, so that we just need to make sure we continue to hit that mark so that we don't go backwards. Uh, from, a, from an urban roads perspective, uh, we're, we're getting all those designs in place that we need so that when the federal and provincial government come with, with money, because of course it's, it's much cheaper to resurface a rural road than it is an urban road with all that water and sewer and storm sewer underneath. So you can, you know, you can, you can do a, a few kilometers of rural road for you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars where the same is millions of dollars uh, in urbanized roadway. So we're gonna need help from our, our provincial and federal friends. Um, I, I will be complimentary to our provincial government here. They have been uh, very, um, uh, very, very forthcoming with dollars and cents through the Ontario Community Infrastructure Fund. Uh, it has allowed Brighton to reconstruct two urban roadways in our municipality that have been on the books to reconstruct for years. And, uh, you know, full, full reconstruction, water, sewer, storm sewer, and then uh, full pavement. So we're gonna, we're gonna need that funding and if there's one thing that uh, MPP Puccini and, and Premier Ford will get sick of uh, Mayor Ostrander saying, it's uh, we need uh, sustainable provincial funding for infrastructure. Um, the, OSIF, the OSIF money is great, uh, but we need to know what's coming every year. How do you react to the county's plans for agricultural lands? Because a, a sizable portion of your municipality is rural. How do you react to their agricultural mapping? Um, well, quite well, actually. There's, there's one thing we need to do, make sure we're doing across the county and certainly in the rural part or the mostly north of the 401 uh, in Brighton is, is protecting those prime agricultural areas to ensure that you and I can eat. Robert, that's, uh, that's uh, pretty important to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of food. And uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an even bigger fan of uh, food that's grown locally. So I wanna make sure that that's available for me and, and my children and, and the grandchildren I don't yet have uh, so that you know, we're, we can have food delivered sustainably to Brighton and the people of Brighton. Yet planning committees um, are often jam packed with people who are looking for development of individual lots. And with the county wanting to concentrate development in focused places like hamlets and villages and towns, are you concerned at all with this kind of piecemeal development being impacted by the county's agricultural mapping exercise? 
uh, I guess I'm not concerned about it because I, I support uh, growth in the growth area. It, it makes sense from a planning perspective that we would want uh, to put houses in the serviced areas of our community. And from a Brighton spe specific um, uh, strategy, we have lots, lots of land available in our urban area yet. Uh, to the point where we have directed staff here in Brighton to begin the secondary planning process through our through our official plan for a more prescriptive development style on certain vacant lands in the community. Because what we don't want are anymore our subdivision our plan our, our developers coming to our planning department and saying, here's what we want. What we want is a plan in place so that when they do that, our planning department can say, that's great. Here's what we want, <laughs> and so we have a you know we have a very prescriptive secondary plan for certain areas of the community that uh, will include transportation nodes and transit opportunities and um, you know it's 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 about a small community like Brighton growing up. The town has started a process to create a master plan for parks and recreations. Where do you want to see the town's resources focused when it comes to parks and rec? Sure. So um, a couple of uh, places here. Tra trail development, I think, is uh, a huge, not just a huge opportunity, but very important for our community. I think we see a lot of people move to Brighton because of various trails. And um, I think some of them come and they get into their house and say, well, hey, that trail's not connected to my home. Uh, so we want to we make those kind of connections better. Um, but I also want to see trails upgraded so that they can be used they, they, so that they're more accessible to people who, who are aging and, and, and may have accessibility concerns. And I want to see um, them being able to be, to be able to be used more, more times of the day, so with some lighting perhaps, and uh, more times of the year so that we're uh, able to use them even in the winter. Those, those are important uh, trail developments for me. And then from a recreational facility perspective, uh, we, we just need to modernize what we have. We have we have a lot of good things in Brighton, but it's time to upgrade those things or or redevelop those things so that they're newer because they're aging, and we know they're aging. And we have um, we have a growing population that that is looking for more recreational opportunities. What is your plan for economic development if you're reelected? Well, I'm going to I'm going to pull back the curtain here and talk about what happened eight years ago. Uh, eight years ago, I, I sat at council as a member of council, and and I think my chin hit the hit my desk when I watched council decimate our economic development team in, in one fell swoop, one motion. It was gone, uh, and it you know it it left a, a hollow feeling in my stomach that evening, and I I um, I committed to myself that if if I was going to move forward in Brighton, it would be in a, leader, in a leadership position that would rebuild that economic development team. And I'm incredibly proud of my council that they did that. It was one of our first moves. Uh, we're starting to slowly rebuild that economic development team. Um, it's allowed for better grant opportunities in the community to bring grants to the community, both to the municipality and to other groups in the community. And it's, um, it's also increased our land sales at the industrial park. Which not just brings jobs, it also uh, it also helps shift that uh, that tax base away from residential and farm taxes, which is incredibly important for a community like Brighton. 
So my intention will be to continue to grow that economic development team locally and to continue to nurture my partnerships with uh, Quinney Economic Development and with the Bay of Quinty Regional Marketing Board and of course with our Northumberland Economic Development Team. Because when we're working together, we know uh, that everybody rises at the same time. You know, a, a, I guess a rising tide floats all boats is the saying. And I believe that to be true. A, a job in Coburg is a job for Brighton. A job in Belleville is a job for Brighton. And a, a job in Brighton is, is equally important to me. You've been on council for many terms. And during that time, there's been a steady increase in property taxes. What can you say to people listening who might be concerned about their property taxes going up in the future if you're reelected? Yeah, fair, fair question. Um, you know, I don't think anybody, too, any, too many municipalities uh, were able to decrease their tax rates over the course of the last uh, 19 years or so. I was first elected in 2003. Uh, I, can, I can say firmly that uh, we've always endeavored to stick very closely to uh, inflationary rates. Um, but we are we are we are very much um, uh, caught in that in that stream. If if the price of asphalt goes up, there's there's no way to make it cheaper. And and so you know we we have to make sure we're um, paving those roads and fixing those sidewalks and uh, ensuring that water and 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 sewage are. are flowing properly to where they're supposed to flow and, and being treated properly for everybody's safety. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, our growth patterns suggest to me that we should be able to manage our next tax season without uh, without impacting everyone terribly. Um, you know, we know we know inflation is at you know seven, six, seven percent. We know the construction price index is at 14, 15 percent. Uh, my intention would be to hold our our any tax rates to the three three and a half percent. I think that's only fair to the people of of the community. Um, I, I wouldn't intend to uh, to impact anybody at, at a larger rate than that. And you know that's just thanks to the folks who've moved into the community and are paying taxes now. New people who are paying taxes, and the, as I mentioned, that shift toward commercial and industrial properties that allows us to uh, absorb more revenue and not impact the residential taxpayer as well as much. What do you do when you're not doing politics or running for mayor? How do you relax? Uh, what do you do for fun? Do you have any hobbies or guilty pleasures? <laughs> well, when there's snow on the ground, I like to, uh, I do like to ski. I'm a downhill skier. Uh, I'm not uh, like, like many golfers. I'm not terribly good at it, but I, uh, I do enjoy it. I get, I like uh, going down the hill. It's uh, I find it's one the one one of the times when I'm absolutely focused in the moment. I'm not thinking about uh, three three or four steps ahead or worry worried about strategic opportunities. I'm I'm just worried about keeping uh, keeping my feet on the ground. Quite frankly, as, especially as I age, Robert, <laughs> I worry I worry how that's going to feel if I do hit the ground uh, when I'm skiing down that hill. But uh, you know, the other thing we love to do is, uh, our, as our daughters are in their twenties now, we we like we just like to get together with family. Um, you know, my mom lives in the community, so we do take every opportunity we can to come together as a family, uh, sort of block out the noise, and and uh, we la laugh we laugh until tears roll down our faces. That's what we do in our family. <laughs> Why will you be a good mayor if you're reelected? 
Uh, I, well, I, I certainly hope people think that I was a good mayor for the last four years. Um, much of my term was uh, <laughs> being a cheerleader for public health. Uh, I never thought I'd be a, a public health cheerleader. That's certainly not why I got into the gig, but uh, it was it was an important role. We all, we all had to play it as far as I was concerned. Um, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I did what I thought was responsible for my community, helping keeping everybody safe and healthy. Uh, I helped keep, helped keep those wheels on the bus uh, as we were in constant pivot mode, moving staff around, uh, um, splitting shifts so that uh, staff, you know, one crew wouldn't be mixed with another in case someone got sick. Um, and throughout all, all of that, working with our senior management, working with our staff, we not just kept people by and large safe and healthy in the community, we got the work done that the people expected to be done. Uh, all the while, maintaining those mandates that I was elected to do, putting strategic plans in place, getting asset management done, providing opportunities for secondary planning, all of those things happened during my term council. I've, I've led this council uh, through some pretty strange motions and, and offered my advice from a procedural um, uh, point of view on how we how we should best move our council forward and you know by and large Robert after some compromise and some some work around the table we we passed almost every motion not everyone but almost every motion was passed unanimously by this council so that tells you tells me that uh, we all did something right and I was certainly able to lead that team through some pretty rocky times. Brian Orstrander, thank you so much for talking to me today. Robert, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. That was Brian Orstrander, who is running for a second term as mayor of Brighton. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.